Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec, where we discuss all things information, all things security, and all things information security. I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Raphael Fiedler. Oh, you but you guys both sound so excited to be here. And Yay. I'm so excited to have you both here. It's awesome. <laughs> um, great. You know, uh, I want to get a couple of housekeeping things out of the way right away. First of all, it's important to note that the securitized pants have won another <laughs> horse race at Louisiana Downs. Now, they happen to be worn by the jockey we sponsor, Erica Murray. Who cares? I mean, come on. She just, she's, she's just luggage that the horse carries around. And she, it happened to be on top of a horse called I Like Dreaming, which is a pretty cool name. But the horse didn't do the work. The pants did the work. So yes. way to go, securitized. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good track record you've got there of uh, your sponsorship. Now, the real question is, uh, how is that translating to your bank account? Are you seeing lots of returns? Are you seeing lots of people buying your courses and sending you money because of uh, your sponsorship of this horse? Or the, uh, Matt, Matt on the you, may, you may have revealed um, a, a somewhat uh, fragmented causality in our marketing plan. We may not have anticipated that the crossover between people who – our uh, horse track enthusiasts are also network security aficionados. Mm. So we may have missed the target there, <laughs> but, but it's okay. still cool. But still, That's, yes, it's but still it's cool. Still. I yeah. get to brag that my pants were the fastest that, that day at that race. So, so, yeah. so what's the secret? Are they like extra aerodynamic or are they super lightweight? I can't, tell you, or... oh, I can't okay. tell you that. Okay. It's, it's the whole name of the thing is securitized. It's the, it's the secret sauce. <laughs> exactly. It's now I think that you property, man. That that means that you need to buy all of us securitized pants as well, so we can all wear them. You so know, you can all going... go faster. <laughs> Driving to the grocery store. It, it works on cars as well. This is what I wanted to ask. Yeah. When I saw the size of the pants and I realized how tiny Erica is, none of us would fit into these pants. So giving us these pants is completely irrelevant. It would just cut, yeah. cut off our circulation. Yeah. Um, the other and, housekeeping thing in terms of getting us money is um, we've just instituted the buy me a, and it says buy me a coffee because that's the name of the third party that's facilitating the payments, but it's actually buy me a gallon of gas. Um, and there's a button on the, on the securitized website that you can press and you can use to sponsor this show so that Matt and Rafi and I don't starve to death. And yeah. Um, yeah, this is this is the means to convey your appreciation for the show. And and to be fair, we are much more concerned about you, Ben, starving to death than than ourselves. We have real jobs. <laughs> <You're> still... <laughs> you just get on Zoom every now and then and yeah, tell people no. how to pass the test. How hard is you know? It, I kind of feel like I, I'm just uh, uh, facilitate. I'm, I'm I'm doing the cheating from high school. You know, here's how you pass. This is what you need to know. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The crib notes. Exactly. The, uh, uh, yeah. What, what did we read in uh, in high school? It was uh, Cliff's notes. Uh, Mon yeah. Well, Cliff's notes, but the ones in, where, where I live were, were the Monarch notes. There was a competing ah. competitor to Cliff's notes called Monarch notes. But but yeah, every English student uh, yeah went out and bought the 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 seven dollar you know pamphlet that gave you everything you need to know about uh, Anna Karenina or whatever hey and, anything anything that can get me out of e reading Ethan Fromm that'd be that's <laughs> all right by me well worth the money yep 
and your and your your course does the same thing. And and we don't promote that nearly enough, but uh, I, I do think that we need to say, go buy uh, training from Ben at, at Wanna Be CISSP and all that kind of stuff. Exactly. That's true. Exactly. How, exactly. Just as a curiosity question, because I saw on the gas station today how much we're paying in Austria for gas. Um, is it going that at crazy in the U.S. as well? It was for a few weeks. It has kind of plateaued right now. I just filled up my tank this morning. It's at $4.59 where I am. And usually where I am is one of the cheaper places in the United States because we do a lot of uh, petroleum refinery here. All the, all the uh, gas companies have their big facilities in the Gulf of Mexico, and, and this is where it's done. Um, but I heard in California, I, I don't know what it's like in Lexington, Matt, it's about that as you. It's, yeah, it's it, price it's, per gallon. Yeah, yeah, it's per gallon. Price and, per gallon. Yeah, correct. Ralph you go by buying liter. by the liter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We're paying by the liter, and so what I what I just figured out is that one gallon is four point five liters ish. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we are paying double at the moment. So we are paying nine oh. euros per gallon. Yeah, and that's kind of what it is in California. Um, nine euros as well. That's okay. Seven, seven to nine, depending on where you are. Dollars, yeah, okay. Yeah. And yours is a little bit stronger than the dollar as well, so yeah. it would be about above ten dollars at the moment. Yeah, so yeah. crazy. It's crazy. nuts, isn't it? it? Makes you almost not want to drive. <laughs> I think um, when I was grocery shopping uh, shopping earlier today, it was actually one of the cheaper days. Apparently, I'm driving electric, so I have no clue. But um, it, there was a line at the gas station. So many people wanted to get it for because it was almost at two euros per liter and so almost at the nine uh, nine euros per gallon um and so maybe they were just like getting it i saw pictures of people paying three euros per liter as well so that would be like almost 15 dollars um per gallon, per gallon. so yeah yeah yeah. You know, it's funny. I'm a creature of the 70s. I remember sitting in the car while my mom was in line for the gas station. And we wait, we waited a good half hour to an hour just to get to the gas tank. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's a weird world. So buy us, buy us a gallon of gas. Yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> me, because I drive a Hellcat and it drinks gas like it's uh, like it's a, a Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we, great. May, we may want to take the donations and uh, put them all together and buy Matt an electric vehicle, a scooter. <laughs> there you go. All right. All right. Let's, let's talk InfoSec, gentlemen. Let's talk. Let's talk Dr. Seuss. Um, Matt, you've got kids. Raphael, you got a kid on the way, right? And yep. um, you're both familiar with Dr. Seuss, I imagine. If not, you're going to be, Rafti. Uh, the cat in the hat. Do you remember the name of the associates of the cat in the hat, Matt? Thing one and thing two? The things. Yeah. The things. And if you gave them IP addresses, we would call that the Internet of Things. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about today. IoT. Who wants to take the challenge of defining what IoT means and what it is? I think that's uh, all right. Matt's pointing at Rafti. Go ahead, Rafti. <laughs> okay, great. Well, um, one one uh, thing, one joke I wanted to bring in here as well. You know what the S in IT stands for? It stands for security. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And okay, so as as Ben was already saying, it's it's an acronym. It's Internet of Things. So IoT, and of course there is uh, there is no S in there. Um, what it basically is is um, us trying to get our appliances smarter, getting our lights smarter. I think this is the first step into IoT for most people. It has also been the first step for for me personally. It's just us getting more lazy and not wanting to get up to turn off the lights. So this is how it starts. Maybe now, now wait a second. Kid... Rafi, I, I remember the clapper. I mean exactly I <laughs> where we this didn't was... have to get out of your seat. You can just clap and turn the lights on and off. What are you talking? Is this different than the clapper, Rafi? <laughs> I, I wanted to exactly say this. I, I wanted to, to date myself as well and say I'm a kid of the 90s, so I remember ah. the clapper. <laughs> oh, shit. I stole your joke? No, 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 no. Oh, but uh, it's just... I it's didn't just, to step on it. I really didn't. No, no, no. Okay. All good. All good. So what it is, is basically we're not even moving our hands as fast as to clap multiple times. We want to get even more lazy. It's just like pushing a button, but the button needs to bear uh, to be where we already are. And this is on our phone. So basically it needs to be a button on our phone. We're all used to typing on our phone. So it needs to move to the phone now, as, of course, as well. And this is a very, very, very oversimplification. What I'm using IoT for, for instance, was motion controlling um part of my my living space so that lights turn on and off as i go and um uh, and come in, in a more smarter way like for instance that the lights are dimmer during night times um and brighter during daytimes because it's in an area where um the, where there's no natural light so of course i want it to be very bright in the day so that it's like my eyes don't have to adjust but i want it to be like darker in the in the Okay. Um, all right. All right. But I think I think we're conflating a couple of technologies here. Yeah, but that's I, IoT. But this is basically I, what I, the yes. things you want to do. IoT. <laughs> IoT is about putting IP addresses into largely home appliances, right? It doesn't need to be IP addresses. It's, it's like when you're talking Zigbee, when you're talking Z-Wave, when you're talking different standards, it's not IP yet. With with new standards coming. Like matter, okay. yes, Let it me will put it this way. eventually be IP addresses. We're connecting physical devices to the internet. How's that? Oh, see, this is what I'm not doing. I, I when I when I sort of like wanted to talk about this is this is one of the things I wanted to bring up okay. where I'm like, oh, I'm so not into having a botnet at home. So I am so much not trying to get stuff on my Wi-Fi. I'm so like having it uh, in a separate network okay. uh, called All right. the Zigbee. Hang, so, or... hang, hang on. We're, we're defining the concept first, and then we're going to talk about okay. how to secure it. Okay. So the, con <laughs> the concept is we're going to give home appliance physical devices networking capability. How's yes. that? Yeah, okay. great. All right. And, and this includes things like kitchen appliances, vacuum yes. cleaners, doorbells, security cameras, baby monitors, your light switch system, and in Matt's car. Who, you know, I think Matt's car has three IP addresses, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah. And it's its own hotspot, right? It's, yeah, it's, yes. it's pretty com complex, yep. Yeah. All right. And and the, the alleged benefit of these things are you can have remote control of them, like you were talking about. Just touch the phone. Just touch the app. It can also reach down and pull updates to its software to optimize as necessary, theoretically. And that's if it's connected to the Internet and some back end. 
And you can have it talk to other devices so that you can get a smarter and smarter network or home in order to kind of streamline certain processes, reduce energy consumption, blah, 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 blah. Right? That's the idea. Mm -hmm. That's the concept. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or do All right. like smart things as I tried to explain earlier what I'm doing, what I'm using it for. Okay. I, I just wanted to, to get into like, but I agree. So the concept is getting a network uh, like um, of things basically. So the internet of things, internet here is doing some major, like, I don't know, <laughs> maybe it's the intranet of things because they're <laughs> only connected to each other. Okay. Um, but um, yeah. So, okay. all right. So now let's take the step further and let's talk not so much about use, but you already see uh, some concerns, some particular security concerns. Why don't, Rafti, why don't you hook up your toaster to the internet? Why don't you want it talking back to the manufacturer? What's the downside? What could possibly go wrong? Oh, you, uh, if you're saying it like this, it, it almost sounds like planned obsolescence. <laughs> Are you talking about this? Like getting the, the iPhone getting slower every time there is an update? No, and stuff I'm like asking that. you why why don't you said you don't want to have a and you used a particular term. You said a botnet. Um, oh yeah. So, yeah. So there is a <laughs> security concern. What's the security concern of having all these devices hooked to each other and then hooked to the internet? What's the downside? Yeah, of course. But every device has to be secured individually. And every device, if it wants to connect back to the internet, it needs to have a connection to the open web. And uh, when each individual device has this capability, it can be attacked from the outside, from the Excellent. outside of your home. Excellent. And you have to, uh, and then you have better have to update it security device, like like each device every time there's a new vulnerability and stuff. And if they're already in your network, if they're already like have hacked one um, device, it's getting easier to then like connect to other stuff as well. If if people remember the WannaCry thing on Windows XP, it has been a whole thing where uh, like one XP, Windows XP device could be hacked. And then it was able to like encrypt different uh, things on the network. And so like having bad security on one device that is connected to the internet, it's bad security for your whole network. Excellent. Yep. So, so one of the risks is potential external attacks, vulnerabilities that could open to the outside world. Matt, I already saw your, your, the wheels in your head turning. There's another thing that I think you had a concern about. Is there another security aspect where, that you? Uh, I'm trying to think of where you, where we're going with this. I mean, the main oh. point that I was going to make was, was that, um, Traditionally, in the 90s and the early 2000s, the only things we had connected to our networks were computers, computer devices, laptops, desktops, things like that, which are multi-purpose operating systems. And we would, and everybody knows whenever you get a new computer, you put some sort of security software on it, like an antivirus or, or some, a firewall of some sort. In fact, uh, almost all modern computers come with all this stuff built in. And the Internet of Things device and appliance doesn't have those types of features and can't be uh, secured in those ways. And that's one of the leading reasons why you, you, you have to be concerned about that type of stuff because why, there's no why can't, why can't they have those same functionalities? Why can't they have those same protections, Matt? 
because it's not a full-fledged operating system on them <laughs> because it's a it's the cheapest chip that they can get out of a dumpster somewhere solder it <laughs> onto a onto a piece of green circuit board and slap it into your refrigerator or your toaster or something like that so it it just doesn't have the it's a single purpose device right you right. can't load have... software on it right yeah right right yeah you can't run windows on your on your on your uh refrigerator yet <laughs> now, maybe that day is coming, but even even so, even if you could, it's got such limited capabilities in terms of processor and storage, you just can't, you know, it doesn't have the overhead to be able to run that stuff. Okay, All right. excellent, excellent. So the single purpose device means limited use. I would, I would add a third possible security concern. The fact that my toaster is talking back to a manufacturer and telling them how I like my toast and when <laughs> I eat my toast and how often I eat toast. Mm -hmm. And now, okay, I'm going to throw it back to Rafti. Why is that? Why is that? <laughs> What's the possible oh, downside here? But I, I so look, I was just prepared to see you uh, like talk about personal privacy and was thinking, <laughs> how is this? How is this information that should be protected? But yes, of course, of course, it can be used for targeting. This information can be sold. Others can create a profile of you. And for instance, um, like when, when you're eating toast and if it is in the morning, you're probably eating breakfast and maybe you read the newspaper during that time. Maybe you're like then more, more open to getting new information and information you maybe did not read beforehand and stuff like this. And of course, all those cross references, and it's just one more data point um, uh, for, for you from your perspective, but in, a, in the grand scheme of things, it can be used for very tar like well-targeted um, um, advertisement and stuff like this, because it's a very like accurate, time-specific, potentially time-specific um, um, uh, data point about you and what you're I'd doing. Even, I'd even go more inimical with it. What happens when my insurance provider and my medical provider ask the toaster company, okay, we want data on how often he's eating carbohydrates and, <laughs> and, we, and we want to know his sleep cycle. Therefore, oh. they're getting information about me that is physically about me as a human being and as a person. And that's not necessarily information I want to share with either of those entities. And right now my dumb toaster shares information with nobody. The worst they could do is go out to my trash and count the crumbs in my trash. You know? <laughs> and that's a oh. very, you know, non-narrow band of information. And, you know, playing, playing that line of thought out, I can also see much like we're seeing with the auto insurance uh, industry right now, where if you decide to get a smart toaster, um, then you might get a break on your health insurance because of the data that it reports back because it's telling your health care provider and your insurance agency, oh, Ben does eat healthy. He eats a bagel every morning with uh, uh, non-dairy butter and, and uh, you know, he, he lightly toasts it, not heavily toasted, so there's no carcinogens on it. And so therefore, you may have an incentive to get a smart device because it, it provides some kind of financial benefit down the road. Um, Did they ask you that? Do you have the Hellcat wired up to your insurance company? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> <laughs> that my, my, my car is capable of well over 200 miles per hour. Uh, I don't know what that is in kilometers per hour, but it's over 300 kilometers per hour. Um, and you no, know, my, my insurance company asked me to put the little device on the, um, 
on the uh, uh, the port where it talks to the computer. And I said, nope. And they said, well, we'll give you a break on your entrance. And I said, no, you will not. Uh-huh. There's no way that this gives you any good information that will give me a break on my entrance. <laughs> <laughs> and realistically, and realistically, are these discounts that are being offered like the loyalty program at your grocery store? Are you getting a discount when you buy a can of peas? No. Everybody who chooses not to share their data is paying a premium for right. anonymity, right? That's that's really the trade-off. But yeah, good. All right, interesting. So we have security concerns. We do get some functionality. And this is where, Rafti, I wanted to kind of split out the two different functions. One is the communication function of the device. Now, the mm-hmm. second thing that we've added to the device is greater uh, automation of control and programming. So not only does the smartness come from the communication, but in the refinement of how you can operate the thing. For instance, you were talking about your lights. Instead of just having a light switch on and off, and instead of just having a dimmer where you can turn the knob, and instead of just having a timer where the lights come on at a certain time and they turn off at a certain time, all technologies that have existed in a rudimentary form before now, Today, you can hook them up to an application and you can refine all of those techniques and do a lot more with them. And you were talking about adding motion sensor capability, uh, 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 timed dimming, um, uh, talking to other instruments in the house. So not only do the lights start to come on at a certain time, but maybe the audio turns on, maybe the hot water heater turns on so it's warming up your shower because it knows you're waking up. All these things can work. Uh, uh, collectively to make an experience Mm -hmm. of your morning, right? (laughs) It's sort of a Logan's Run approach to to your existence. Ben, that all sounds really nice, actually. I'm kind of, you're kind of selling me on this whole I'm kind of selling you on the IoT uh, concept. (laughs) And I would uh, like this is this dream, of course, is what got, got me into the whole thing and why I uh, thought maybe it's important. And I, I had thoughts about security. And this is the reason why I'm like, well, talking to the two of you, maybe I will like get some good advice on how to secure me better and what to do afterwards. And maybe somebody else listening to this um, thought about the same things, man, those like light bulbs do look nice. And if I get the Wi-Fi once, I don't even have to buy a box or something. And maybe afterwards, people will start thinking about this in a little bit better way. Because a friend of mine actually did this. And he actually, like, you saw uh, at certain periods, the lights uh, dimmed. And I guess I can tell everybody out there, well, I already, uh, like, saw a botnet at work. Like, when we were looking at his router, there were weird connections going out. And um, the lights were dimmer because, of course, we were talking about earlier the chips being very rudimentary i guess they sucked more power of course <laughs> because wait, so, i want i want to boil this down what had happened is your friend's home's home network was penetrated by external attackers they were using his devices for computational uh, purposes yeah. And yeah. therefore, it was sucking the power from the lights, and the lights were dimming. Not because he had set them to dim for ambiance, because yeah. yeah. you were over visiting, and he wanted a an intimate uh, setting. <laughs> but because so some jerk out there was harvesting his CPU from his light system. 
Yeah, exactly. So I hope that like, and I learned at that point already that this is maybe a bad idea, but maybe sharing it, like sharing other stuff and from you two having like great experience when it comes to security and network security in particular in that regard, maybe we, I can take something away when I move my home into a more smart home enabled situation. Uh, shit, I got rid of my only IoT, which was the Roomba. Uh, I, I, <laughs> it ended up haunting. My home is the dumbest home I can think of. But, Rafi, it sounds like you have some good techniques that you've added to your home environment to kind of defeat these. Before we get into those, Matt, what would you recommend from a network security standpoint if someone was going to smartify their home? Well, the biggest one is always the firewall. So, you know, in, in general, when you have an internet connection coming in, you always have some sort of a, a, a modem of some sort, but then always, uh, my recommendation is always some sort of a firewall and preferably not the lowest, cheapest $50 firewall, uh, you, whatever that is, you know, 100 euro firewall that you can find out there, but something that's actually got some ability to analyze traffic. Um, so, in other words, an, uh, something that's aware of the of not just that traffic is going back and forth, but what the type of traffic is, and can block it based upon country, based upon content, and things like that. So, you're getting more up into the four hundred, five hundred dollar um, uh, firewalls. Again, that's probably around you know close to a thousand euros. But um, I think it's the other way. I think five hundred dollars is four euros. Okay, <laughs> no, it's not like this, but it's like yeah, I and think I it's one point two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, euro is pretty strong right now. The dollar is pretty weak right now, man. Okay. But okay, 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 okay. yeah. I'm, I'm still from okay. back in the old days when when it was That's two euros okay. to a dollar. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, fi firewalls are the, are the the number one thing. Um, another thing that um, I've learned about, I haven't actually implemented on my own, is a thing that's called a pie hole, and it's basically a uh, version of a DNS server that lives on. If you know what a Raspberry Pi Raspberry is, pie. It's a, yeah, it's a small. It's basically a full function computer that, that you can fit. It's a, the size of a deck of cards. Um, it's just got some USB and some network stuff. Uh, you, uh, usually they run Linux. I don't think any, anybody runs Windows on them. Severely underpowered. It's basically a, an Internet of Things device as well. It's a little appliance. But because it's running Linux, you can put uh, software on it that would otherwise run on Linux. And one of the pieces of software is this thing called Piehole which is a thing that sits on your network and any device that tries to go to certain parts of the internet, go to the pie hole instead. And they just go to the, uh, to the bit bucket. They don't actually get, make their way out to the internet. The, the pie hole just kind of slurps that, that data up and discards it. Um, and that's a specific implementation. So, so is that for reporting purposes? Like where my vacuum cleaner would be telling Roomba, yeah. the manufacturer, the map of my house, instead it gets dumped into the pie hole. Right, right. So like things like if you think about like tracking cookies on your normal web okay. browsing. So like, you know, Google always has tracking cookies, Amazon, uh, Facebook, Instagram, all these places. You can set up your pie hole that says anything that goes to any of these services, throw it away. Don't let it get out to the Internet. So that way that tracking data never makes its way out to the Internet. The device will still function normally because it can get to, let's say, the manufacturer's website to get its updates, but any tracking information doesn't make it out to the Internet. Interesting. All right. Now, before I go into Rafi's own security uh, choices, I'd, I'd like to add one easy one. Um, put Mac filtering on your router, right? Tell mm -hmm. your router which devices are allowed and which ones are not, um, yep. and have it uh, prohibitive as opposed to permissive. But the the... The issue that I see here is that the 
wild popularity, the growing popularity of IoT devices for home appliances is among people who don't know how to spell firewall, much <laughs> less are going to spend 500 bucks and also learn Linux. Um, yeah. so, so, so by and large, we're expecting these people to order the device from Amazon, open the box, plug it in, turn it on, download the app to their phone and boom, they're connected. We yep. really don't expect them to have any technological sophistication. So even though our three homes might be protected, you too, because you know networking, me because I refuse to have any IoT devices, um, it's everybody else in the world that are going to be building their own little internal botnets that could all be used to attack any one of us, right? Yep. Rafti, how did you approach, you already understood the risks and you said, wait a second, I don't want my lights dimming because someone's stealing my computational power from my toaster. Um, <laughs> what is it, what is it you did? What, how did you approach your home security? Maybe first I can so like second the the pie hole idea from it. It's not that complicated. Actually, give it a try. Look it up. Raspberry Pis are very expensive at the moment. Like they used to be below a hundred dollars in euros, and now they're above. Um, so maybe wait a bit or get one that's that's been used. But a pie hole actually helps a lot. And um, if you already have a home server or something like that running, there are Docker containers for that as well. So you can run a Docker instance of pie hole as well. You don't actually so you need don't a rest actually have to buy the appliance. You can yeah, make a exactly. virtualized appliance. So let's get exactly. even more technologically sophisticated beyond the home user. But okay, all right. <laughs> but it's, yeah. Talking okay. about Docker containers here, yeah, that's true. Okay. But so, on a very simple, simple starting point here, what I what I say, um, contrary maybe a bit to what you were saying, Ben, but like, never. Okay, you're let off me. The show. Okay, well, let's let me start. I think when you're only shopping on Amazon, I guess it's so easy to buy something that's Wi-Fi enabled, um, or something that's Bluetooth enabled. Bluetooth might even be the better solution here from a security perspective, and like from what I would say, because it makes it locally um, attackable. And this is, of course, um, in regards to the when you were saying penetrating, like at my friend's place. Uh, it, that was not a targeted attack. I guess he was just like by accident hit by some random internet sweep, um, an internet flare, so to speak, that yeah, hit him. It was, so... was a target of opportunity. It was not. Exactly. Yeah. They weren't going after your friend. Yeah. No, I don't think so. So Bluetooth, I guess, is a is a is a better idea than if you're not willing to go uh, into the different network types I was talking about earlier, which are, I would say, on like also a fairly easy way to go down. Most of the time, they're more expensive, and always you will have to have a little hub device. But for instance, Philips Hue. The most of them are Zigbee, so they okay. there you All get right. it. So let's let's break this down. Let's pull pull back, pull back, pull back. I'm pulling back. You're, you're gonna you're setting up your home network, and you want to secure it. Tell us what is Zigbee, and how are you going to implement that? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> you're getting a hub, um, which is connected to your router or to your firewall or whatever switch and um this is what actually is connecting to the internet so before and and this is so to speak a router in itself translating all your internet of things or intranet of things things which are in this zigbee network or c-wave 
onto the IP address network where the internet is or okay. through which right. you can access the internet. So no light so bulb this thing is, is an directly, exactly. No light okay. bulb is connected directly into the internet. It's only that hub thing. And from a network security perspective, then you only have one thing to secure. It's only that one hub thingamajig that you actually need to protect and update and, and this needs to be secure. And this but acts as other... a gateway between your home network and the outside world. Exactly. And okay. of course, and from my perspective, what I would say is, I think that the Zigbee network is encrypted as well. I haven't looked at it, but um, it's using a 2.4 gigahertz um, signal. So as far as I can tell, it it will penetrate the walls and go like um, onto the like in front of the house. But if I have somebody surveilling me from in front of the house, I do have so many other problems, in my opinion, <laughs> that I should have like that I should take care of. So if they're, targeted... if they're already standing in your yard, it's not your home network that you have to worry about. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. So now you've you've used the term Zigbee about a half dozen times. Tell us what Zigbee is. It's a wireless communication protocol. It's like Wi-Fi. It's also using 2.4 gigahertz like Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi also is on 5 gigahertz. And it's a low-powered, um, basically a low-powered Wi-Fi. It's less, um, it com uses less power uh, from an from a electricity point of view. Uh, the signal is not as strong. And um, basically... That's it. They're not, as far as I can tell, IP-based networks. So Zigbee and Z-Wave don't. Um, they are using some different way of communicating with each other in that regard. So it's like a pr proprietary Wi-Fi then. So it's not like an open Wi-Fi you would connect your laptop to. It's a proprietary Wi-Fi that only other Zigbee devices. And I don't know anything about Zigbee. I'm, I'm learning this uh, as well. But, it's, but that, that's what you're saying? It's a different protocol. Yeah. Okay. I'm not, I would not say that it's proprietary. I'm not sure about that because it is fairly open. There's a Zigbee alliance. And I think this is the difference between Zigbee and Z-Wave. Z-Wave is a little bit more like um, restricted and Zigbee is the more open standard. As I far was as I can gonna, tell. Uh, that's exactly the term I was going to use. Zigbee is an open standard for uh, another way to make networks beyond TCP IP. Um, yeah. And and Zigbee's just been added uh, for those of you who are interested to the CISSP exam outline in its latest update. So that is something that is mentioned. All right. So so you so what you've got is inside your home, you've got your computers and your smartphones that are running on Ethernet, TCP, IP, Wi-Fi communications, the normal networking communications. Then you've got a bunch of home appliances that are all talking Zigbee to each other wirelessly, right? Um, mm -hmm. And they all, all of your traffic is going through your router and then through your gateway. And I'm sorry, mm -hmm. what was the name of the gateway that you were using? Just a hub. I'm not Look using, but there is one from from um, IKEA. This was the ones I wanted to mention. Philips Hue has a hub. Did you have to put it together, and it, all the instructions were in Swedish? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> but IKEA is using Zigbee as well, and this was basically what I wanted to say. If you stumble into an IKEA, if you stumble into, I don't know uh, what the equivalent is in the U.S., but if you sort of like grab we have something, IKEA. From we've a been friend, invested. 
<laughs> yeah, but they are all using Zigbee. So they're all do doing the hub thing and then the Zigbee thing behind it. And I think from a security perspective, this was what got me hooked, where I was like, okay, I think I can do this. If I, I, I don't want to create, and this was the other route I was thinking, uh, because um, you were already saying about like firewall and investing $400 plus into something like this. I was thinking into creating a separate Wi-Fi network where all of these are included like in this particular Wi-Fi network. And of course, this is a nightmare having two new Wi-Fi networks overlapping the same area and stuff, having the bands, the Wi-Fi bands not interfering and stuff. Uh, if somebody like walks into my house and asks which Wi-Fi is the correct one, choosing the wrong so so many other things so i wanted to opt it for for an other alternative like um wireless standard which is not wi-fi um to, when, to do that when you buy an appliance when you buy a toaster yeah do you have the option as you're setting the toaster up in the app that comes with the vendors you know the vendors app for the toaster do you have the option to select zigbee or wi-fi no. or so no. how how then how do these things talk to each other in that manner? How do you make that happen? Oh, you you have to buy the correct one, and usually if it's Zigbee, they have a pair button. So you need to click on that, and then you need to connect it to the hub. And you will have to be educated in advance that it is Zigbee, that it's not Bluetooth, not Wi-Fi, not Z-Wave, and that it will be able to connect to your to your hub. So I guess it is more complicated. I guess it is very technical in that regard. But like not doing... really, not if it's just a shopping thing. Because they'll have they'll have the little Zigbee icon in the ad before you buy it, right? I mean they're not hiding that information. I'm not sure. I think IKEA doesn't, for instance. I think if you buy IKEA things, you don't, you're not aware that this is Zigbee. And especially with them now working together with um, Sonos, I think the speakers they're having are Wi-Fi. So um, it's, it's a fairly complicated situation in the whole IoT thing. And I think it, there is a movement there. So we we're talking right before Matter is a thing. Uh, and the Matter is a new standard that actually is IP-based and where they try to sort of like get all of these um, uh, different network types uh, sort of like sorted out and make it easier for the consumer. But currently, um, as far as I, I'm not aware of any devices where you can, which are Wi-Fi and a separate communication standard. So, <laughs> and, and you're bringing up the toaster. Haven't seen a toaster. It's like, yes, there are Alexa enabled um, uh, home appliances, but they're all Wi-Fi. So, as soon as there is a, a, a talking assistant in there, of course, it needs to talk to the internet. And of course, it needs to be faster than going through a hub and then go to the internet. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm on the IQ website and I'm looking at Zigbee Light Link. Uh, and, and they say, yeah, it's an open standards protocol. And it doesn't seem like they're hiding it. But they, okay, so they're calling their devices, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, Tradfree? Très, that très right? frais. Yeah, I, I okay. think it's très, très frais. Yeah, it's but easy for I'm you not to uh, Because I'm, I'm European, but that's uh -huh. <laughs> weird. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so th what they're saying is they've made that, that protocol based on the Zigbee open standard, 
and they're working towards eventually allowing other entities to make products for that platform, but right now they're keeping it proprietary. They're lying. If, if Ikea is saying this, they're lying. I already am using Hue and, and some Amazon, whatever Zigbee stuff and, and Tretfray in compare, like all together in my network. I mean, I'm running home assistant at home and I bought an antenna, um, this one on my home server and it's, um, connecting uh, all of those things together. So if, and this is basically sort of like what one tip I wanted to give all out there. And I know it's, but I, I, we're, I think the, uh, the central sounds of InfoSec are like a tacky podcast. I mean, I'm li listening to it for, for quite some time now. And I think it's very, it's a very tacky situation as well. And I wanted to encourage everybody who maybe already is having or thinking about having a NAS at home. If you're already into the weeds so deep that you're thinking of, of network attached storage, the jump to having a pie hole and maybe having home assistant running at home is not that big. It's not that complicated. There's very many documentation. Maybe there is a wannabe course. Uh, I don't know if Ben has the time for this <laughs> to, to do something like that, but you're a good teacher. So maybe this is something you can, you can teach as well. Like get your I, IOT security, get the S into IOT, you know, and, <laughs> and, um, I think, um, doing it yourself in that regard, um, of course allows you to, to have the network security lockdown and have like not trust and don't have to trust Ikea of all people to have, uh, to update the, the hub. Um, because this still is an like can be a target and still can, uh, get hacked and so on or Phillips. I would, I did back before I did it myself, trust Philips more than Ikea in that regard, but I connected the Ikea lights into the Philips hub. So this already works um, and so on. So <clears throat> base, the basic thing I, is um, from a, from a home network security perspective, I'd say try to do as little in your Wi-Fi as possible. Um, try to use uh, like f especially for the things that connect to the internet brands you trust and brands you know and and which are like known from a security perspective maybe like do a web search on them before uh, committing to a purchase if there have been any known hacks or something and uh, my my sort of like additional thing there is maybe ben will do a course on iot stuff but it's not oh that goodness. hard <laughs> no, yeah. What, what I'm going to do is, yeah, I'm going to make a course on the secure home Internet of Things. It's going to be called shit. And uh, <laughs> here's, here's my big question to you, Rafti. You put a lot of effort into this, a lot of knowledge. Do you feel like your quality of life has been improved by having the functionality that these things bring to your living space? Oh, so much. Yeah. So yeah, much. Dig it. Yeah. This is the reason why I'm telling people. I am already thinking of um, getting one of those like Logitech Harmony things. If you remember them, they're basically dead at the moment. Like Logitech has not brought out new IR like multi remote things um, in quite some time, and I'm thinking of integrating that into my smart home as well. So what is I it? What is it? I'm sorry. Explain what it is. The it's, Logitech it's a remote control. It's remember those big multi TV remote controls you could buy that had a million buttons on them. 
and it would control your stereo, your TV, uh, your VCR, all those. That's what a Logitech Harmony is. Yeah, I know because I've got like three of them. <laughs> they're <awesome. laughs> But they're new ones with touch screens as well. Have you seen them? Yeah, I, I had a touch screen one that I dropped and then broke. The screen on it cracked. And so I <laughs> had to stop using that one and go back to one of the so other ones. So this is like what the Jonathan Price had as the Bond villain in that one where he's playing uh, <laughs> jobs, right? Where he had that tablet where he could yeah. do remote control. Right? Okay. And so there is there is like one that's only network connected, and I'm trusting Logitech enough here as well to to do network stuff correct. But if it's deprecated, not sure though. I'm thinking about it, and then having like my living room like doing setups, as you were saying, like with getting the water already warm and stuff, doing something like that for for my living room where the lights like that I have one button which is movie mode where it turns on the speakers starts the projector, turns off the lights and stuff like that, all with one button um, and stuff like that. And I'm currently using like speakers, which are, which turn off automatically. So when I'm using my Apple TV to sort of like listen to music, I always have to get up and turn on the speakers, which is not that annoying, but annoying enough that I'm thinking, oh, maybe I can automate this as well, where I'm just like <laughs> sitting in the back of my living room. Um, oh my God. Well, Rafi, you have to get up. That's how we living. Are we living in the 18th century? This is tragic. Let's cure this problem before it can. I was, I was when I was explaining earlier about the clap thing, Magic, and how yeah, the yeah, progression yeah. to IoT was. I was speaking out of my own life, mate. I was, <laughs> I was thinking, why am I doing this? I'm doing this for exactly those reasons. I usually have my phone in uh, hands length reach or something. And so being able to turn off lights, sitting there on the couch already. Prepared Here's the good to... news. Here's the good news. Yeah. You're about to have a child. And um, I remember being the remote control. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if you, want, if you want the speakers to be turned off, you reach over, you smack the kid, you say, go turn off the speaker. Now, now here's the downside. You will never have two and a half hours to sit and watch a movie ever again because you're going to have a child. So, yep. I, I mean, okay. All right. Quality of life. Matt, what do you got? Well, I, um, I wanted to bring up something. Rafi is probably way too young, but Ben, you may remember this. In the mid to late 90s, there was a technology called X10. Do you remember any of this stuff? It was advertised heavily. And it was the exact same thing that Rafti is describing, but it was all done through uh, radio waves. And you had a dongle that you plugged into your 386, 486, Pentium or whatever, it plugged into the serial port. And it lets you use remote controls to turn your lights off, turn your lights on, uh, do stuff on schedules and all that kind of stuff. And I know because I bought like $1,000 worth of this stuff and my entire house back in the late 90s was completely automated to the point that my friends said that my house was my pet because as soon as I would pull into the driveway, uh, certain lights would come on as I would, you know, at certain times, uh, lights would change, stereos would come on and stuff like that. The thing is though, X10 became defunct. It became obsolete because it was all based on serial protocols. Um, it was big for about four, five, six years or so, and then it went obsolete. Similarly, uh, Rafti earlier mentioned the Sonos system. I've had Sonos in my house for uh, 10, 12, 13 years now. All my Sonos stuff, though, is all 10, 12, 13 years old, <laughs> and it's slowly becoming obsolete to the point that uh, uh, Sonos reminds me every time I go to play a song, 
hey, you need to update your controller, but oh, by the way, if you update your controller software, your investment in your speakers will no longer work because they're obsolete. So all of this stuff kind of ties into one of the things we talked about earlier uh, in a previous episode, the whole obsolescence thing. Uh, how long will Zigbee stick around? Another five years? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Great. Another 10 years? Uh, you might be stretching 20 years from now. Nobody's going to have Zigbee anymore uh, mm -hmm. because it's all going to be. And so you can spend money. And, and, and one of the things I've always hated about things like home automation, like with the X10, like with the Sonos and stuff, you can spend several hours and get it all set up exactly like you want it. And then once it, the, the manufacturer decides to no longer, no longer support it, you've lost not only the investment in the hardware, but also all the time you took to configure it exactly like you wanted. And then once and you that's have kids, time you could have used to stand up and turn the lights on. Right, and right. And then once you have kids, you will have no more time to sit down and reprogram whatever the newest technology <laughs> is. I've got, <laughs> I've got a huge stereo system over there that used to have um, uh, all the audio settings perfectly dialed in. Um, uh, uh, something happened and it lost all of its settings. I have not had the time to go back over there and reprogram it. And so whatever it plays now is whatever it plays. So all, all that stuff to bring up, uh, that, that, that's one of the downsides. So. Yeah, but maybe this is a good point to, to point out that uh, Home Assistant I'm using on my home server. And maybe this is the reason why I, I went to nudge uh, Ben to do a course on it as well, is because it's open source. And open source software tends to stick around longer. There will always be people maintaining it. And to keep it running and only have security like patches might be an easier way. Ben, you're, you're shaking I'm your sorry. head. I'm sorry. I, I have just gone up for, I've been a loyal Firefox user for decades. I, I switched to Brave recently uh, I, because they were either forcing me up or out. Either you add the new updates with a bunch of shit I don't want or they're not going to support earlier incarnations and it was bogging down. It literally Firefox was crawling and uh, yep. No, I, I honestly don't believe either proprietary or open standards have any incentive to support outdated modes. And like Matt was saying, outdated today might mean three or four years. And then mm. your investment of time and technology had kind of gone out the window. If someone could assure me this platform would be around for 20 years, I might go ahead and do it. And I don't mean to sound like a Luddite, but the mechanical timer that I have for my lamps, where you plug the lamp into the timer and then there's spring loads on the timer with pins you pop to tell what time it goes, it still works. And it's going to work 20 years from now and it's going to work 50 years from now because it's mechanical. Um, yeah. I, uh. I don't know. I don't. It's tough. It's a happy medium. I love that you're happy with the stuff, though, Rafti. I think that is awesome. Um, I want you to come visit and you can wire my house. How's that? <laughs> there are no wires involved. That's a great thing. That's a great wire thing. There. Is, you have, it's... Wire is a colloquialism meaning set up. Okay. I see. All right. I, see. All okay. Right. I think we need a uh, buy me a That's coffee a level. Oh, yes. We need to have a buy me a coffee level that is at high enough that it pays for a trip to the United States for Rafti. Yes. Come down to Louisiana, set up Ben's stuff for him, <laughs> buy a nice drink for both of you, and then send him back home. If you donate an amount sufficient to bring Rafti here, um, we'll actually say your name on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and if you donate enough 
to send Rafi here and back home again. <laughs> You'll say the last. We'll get you a T-shirt. Go. We'll get you a T-shirt. Yeah, definitely. W- will it say "Wanna Be It" or will it say "Securitized"? Securitized. Securitized. Yes. Yeah, okay. And you get the ba- and you get the badger. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So well worth. Um, gentlemen, this was fantastic. Uh, I know there was another thing we want to talk about. Let's hold that off until, uh, one of our future episodes. Cause I think that it's, it's worth talking about. Um, then until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. And I'm Matt Snotty. And I'm Rafael Fiedler. Uh, come on, let's do that faster. Until next time, I'm Ben Maliso. Matt Snotty. Rafael. <laughs> We're oh, having a delay getting across right, the We'll work on our comedic timing. <laughs> We'll catch you again next week for another episode of Sensuous Sounds of InfoSec.